It's a, it's a real privilege to, to be here and to uh, be entrusted with the second episode in our series From the Ground Up. And I hate to disappoint you, but this episode is called From the Ground Down because it's entitled Foundations. And uh, the foundations, and then in brackets, Jesus. It's Foundations Part 1. There's another part coming called Foundations Part 2, the Apostles and Prophets. But today, it's Foundations Jesus. And I have to tell you, I don't think I started at the right place in trying to work out what God would you have me to say. I went to the book of Google and (laughs) Google Image and I typed in Foundation. Oh my goodness, I got so many hits, I tell you, the place was absolutely covered with pictures of ladies' cosmetics, of foundation cream, of lipstick. I don't know what I had never seen. I thought I'd press the wrong button. So I tried it again, and I got precisely the same array of pictures until I worked out that you don't do Google image, you do Google image, foundation, and then buildings. And then I got what I was looking for. Hundreds and hundreds of diagrams, pictures, paintings, photographs um, of buildings in in kind of, what would you call it, cross-section. You know, when you look at a building, uh, if you look at a house or something like that, you probably just look at the house. Um, You'd have to have X-ray eyes to be able to look at the foundation. Uh, The foundation is below the surface. But I promise you, if you go to Google Images, foundation, buildings, you will get lots of eye views of below the surface. As I looked at them, they reminded me, I'm afraid not of a Bible verse, they probably should have done. They reminded me of a memory. Uh, A memory of, I don't know, so long ago... Some of you weren't even born. Uh, About 45 years ago, I was in Northamptonshire. I have a brother-in-law called David, and he had decided to build his own house extension. And he got a book out of the library, uh, no online in those days, and he read it. Anyway, I was up there one Saturday helping him dig a footing It was at the part where the ground slopes away. So it was a really important part of this two-storey extension he was going to build. And there we are, not with a mechanical digger, with a spade and a fork, (laughs) digging a hole about a yard by a yard, a metre by a metre. So patiently we dig through the grass. We dig through the topsoil. We got into the clay and then it got hard. And as gradually, we couldn't both do it at once. One of us had to jump in the hole and do some digging, then get hauled out, and the other one had to jump in it. And I'm jumped in it, I'm going down, and I'm plunging my spade, or it might have been the fork, into the clay, when all of a sudden it (laughs) hit something hard. And, And when my hand had stopped vibrating, I thought, oh no, another stone. We cleared the clay away, and it wasn't a stone at all. Uh, Neither was it a gold ingot or anything like that exciting. It was a huge boulder. 
It, it covered almost the entire footing that we were digging. And my brother-in-law said, I think we'll stop digging now. I thought, good job. And, uh, and the thing I noticed, and what the Google image pictures reminded me of, was that the boulder wasn't flat. You know, rock does not come in a flat pack. It, it was curved. So if you got your cement and your bricks and you started building a wall on the curved surface, you'd have one wall going up that way, another wall going up that way, and you'd get practically nowhere because they'd all fall down. No, it reminded me, oh, I thought. And I drew a picture of what was coming to my mind, which I think Mark is now going to show us. Uh, it's not artistically brilliant, but you will see it's got three layers to it. Layer A, layer B, and layer C. Layer C is kind of a hopeful, wishful thinking. That's the house that you're yet to build. In those days, um, Jesus' time, a one-story house probably. The second story would be an open-air story on the top. So you had to have a substantial roof. Anyway, the second layer is the layer B. And I suddenly thought, oh my goodness. Pete wants me to talk about foundations, Jesus. But that's layer A, that's right at the bottom. I'm going to prove it to you. There is a, a two-layer foundation. Jesus is at the bottom and you've got to do the rest, and so have I. Now where I'm going to prove it from, if you've got your Bibles, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse well, we'll start with verse 11, but then we'll go back to verse 10. Here's verse 11. No man, no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Nobody can lay the foundation because it's already there. And when we come to the story Jesus told, you'll know this story, about the foolish man and the wise man, they both had the foundation. It's down there. You can't do anything about it. Layer A, back to the uh, diagram, is already there. And you notice that layer A has got, just like the boulder in Northamptonshire, a wonky surface. It's not straight. So I've just drawn this in imaginatively. You know, and I know, we've got to have a horizontal surface to build on. But the bedrock is not horizontal, it's uneven. And just as an aside, by the way, in your Christian life, some places you will find that the distance between the floor and the bedrock is not very deep, if you look under the front door there. But in other places, it's much deeper. So you'll find sometimes you can get in touch with the foundation, with Jesus, very easily. Other times, it takes a long time. You're digging and you're digging and you still haven't found it. And God says, keep digging. The foundation is there. But your responsibility is that middle layer, if you like, the filling uh, in between the two sandwich uh, sides, A, A, B and C. Now, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3. By the grace of God, I laid a foundation. This is St. Paul speaking to the church 
that he had founded in the city of Corinth in Greece. By the grace of God, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on top of it. But there is a foundation at the bottom that I didn't lay. It was already there. Does that make sense? I'm not making this up. This is scripture principle. Layer at the bottom, Jesus. Next layer on top that has to glue onto the uneven surface is your layer. You're going to have to put it in. And it's an uneven surface at the, at the bottom where it glues onto the, uh, the, the bedrock. And it's a, a flat horizontal surface where you're going to put your bricks and your stones. So it's three things there. And um, you find it in the Old Testament as well. Jesus as the foundation. God as my rock. It's a familiar theme right the way through scripture. Uh, so go back with me um, if you want to turn to it. It's only one verse. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. And Isaiah proclaims this wonderful verse. See, he says, look, I lay a stone in Zion. A tested stone. Tried and tested. A precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Isn't that wonderful? Or turn back a little bit more to uh, Psalm 62. This is um, David. David knew about rock. If you live in Israel, you know about rock. Uh, it's quite rocky. And if you've got soil there, all you have to dig is about, I don't know, three foot or something like that. And you hit the bedrock. Um, David even lived inside the rock for several months called the Cave of Adullam. And it was a kind of uh, um, a cavern, if you like. He and his followers lived inside it. And remember what I said, if you live in a cave and you haven't got electricity, you really need to know where the lumps and the bumps are. Uh, if, you, if you're moving up to the back where your bedroom is, be careful. There's a crevice just there. You need to walk over it. You need to get to know the uneven surface. And David says this in Psalm 62, verse 2. He alone, that's God, only God. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Trusting in Jesus as your foundation is you saved as a Christian. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. It was a... a uh, a, a wonderful rock surround that David lived in that protected him uh, from, the, uh, from the authorities who were hunting him down wrongly, uh, King Saul and, and his army. And then it says, I shall never be shaken. Now, just two comments before we move on. The word rock there, he alone is my rock. Uh, the Hebrew word, I understand, is not stone. It's not pebble. It's not even boulder. It's an extent, a flat surface of rock, but not that flat. <laughs> and then the other thing to comment on, where it says, I shall never be shaken. If you've got a really old Bible, the authorised Bible, you'll find a better translation of that, uh, which says, I shall not be greatly moved. In other words, David isn't saying, I'll never be shaken. I'm going to stand up like a sort of, um, I don't know, uh, Nelson's column or, or something really doesn't move. No, I will be shaken, but I will not be greatly moved. 
I'm not going to be falling over. I may have difficult times. I know some people here have because two weeks ago, uh, when, um, when Pete was preaching in the first episode of this series, he spent some time at the beginning praying for you, uh, praying for people who are being shaken at the moment. But I will not be greatly moved, is what this verse says. We need to trust in that. Uh, we need to read it, uh, put it on a post-it, stick it on your fridge door, uh, repeat it to yourself. So we move on. We're going back to the New Testament and the story that Jesus told about foundations and building. It comes as the finale to an enormous mega sermon. You've probably heard of a, a three-point sermon. I tell you, the Sermon on the Mount has got about 18 points. And, and you might think that by the end of it, people will have either fallen asleep or gone home to turn the, the gas on and make, get their Sunday lunch. No, the opposite. He started with a congregation of only 12. And by the time he finished, it was a huge crowd. And it's long, it goes on and on. And this is the story he tells at the end of it. This story, I'm afraid, has been trivialised as a Sunday school story for children. You may have even sung, sung uh, uh, how did it go? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Da, da, da. It trivialises something that's much more serious. Listen carefully. Verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, she's right at the end of the sermon. I'm coming to a grand conclusion. And it's not something like E equals MC squared or, or, or some sort of posh scientific conclusion. He tells a story, typical of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. But everyone who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now if this house is your spiritual life, is your Christian life, the last thing in the world you want is for it to come tumbling down. You're saved, and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if things do go awry, you will still get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. But this is talking about hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. And you're sat there at home, watching online, or you're sat here in North Avenue, and I found myself, as I, as I read this, being challenged how badly have I acquired the habit of sitting through hearing Jesus' words, even writing an email and saying to the person, oh, thank you, I'm really living in the good of what uh, the Lord gave you to say this morning, and then doing nothing about them. Wouldn't that be, I, mean, I don't know how to describe it, it, it would just be awful. These are the words of the Son of God. The foundation, the rock. I'm listening to them, and they go in one ear, 
and out the other. I, I, God, give me a grace. I even thought of getting a pair of headphones and cutting this one off and putting your hand there so that it would go in here and stay in there. But that actually isn't the problem. The words are there all right. You can remember things that Jesus has taught, but it's putting them into practice. Now, we're going to go back uh, to the, some of the points that Jesus makes in this long, long sermon. So look here, uh, these are the points. It, it, it's not a walk in the park. So anger, sexual lust and watching porn, divorce, swearing, revenge, loving your enemies, your prayer life, giving in your tithes and offerings and giving to charity, fasting, holding on to money, ooh, my precious, being critical, anxiety and worry, sending yourself off to hell. You, you, as I looked at those, as I read through the Sermon on the Mount, I drew a strange conclusion. Listen for it. I drew this conclusion. I am uncomfortably more like the foolish builder than the wise one. I like to think, oh, I've built my house on the rock. And that's true, but there was a rock under the foolish man's house as well as the wise man's house. So we go back to the story. We, we watch, if you like. Um, the foolish man knows he needs a horizontal surface on which to build his walls. And he blesses God because he's given one without even trying. He marked out the plot of land where he wanted to build his house. And he said, oh, God has provided me with a flat surface. I know the rocks down there. I can build straight on this. In the plot next door was the wise builder. And the foolish builder looks across and sees, duh, the wise builder is actually digging up the horizontal surface, the thing that you want to build on. He has got his spade out, his digger, and he's digging it up. And he's revealing the uneven, rocky surface underneath. You could imagine the foolish builder saying, excuse me, you don't need to do that. You can just build. And, and, the, and, and the wise builder thinking, in his, I, I don't think I'm going to enter a discussion with this one. We'll just have to agree to differ. And of course, the foolish builder is looked on by the people who look on. You know, when you've got a building site, people kind of stop and watch what the JCB is doing and watch what's happening here, there, and everywhere. Well, they look on and they say, I never saw a guy like that, uh, that builder over here. He's already got three courses of brickwork all the way round his plot. The one over here has lost the plot. He, he is busy. He's actually look, got to the rock and he's got a broom and he's sweeping the clay and the sand off the rock. I think he's probably got OCD actually. And uh, there is a problem here. He is slow, Mr. Slow and Mr. Speedy. And so you get a sort of role reversal where the foolish builder thinks the wise builder is foolish. And the wise builder thinks the foolish builder, uh, thinks, thinks the, the fast builder is, is, um, is he, he's foolish as well. Anyways, 
by the end of that summer, there had been a sustained period of sun, of firm foundations, no rain, nice and dry. I did manage to locate, uh, through Google of course, a, a weather report from Galilee for AD 31. And it's just coming up on the screen. And you'll see there that during the building of the two houses, there was a sustained spell of not really good weather. There was no need for all that scaffolding and the plastic cover or whatever it is, corrugated cover. You, put, you just got on with it. And by the end of the period of sustained good weather, the man who was called the foolish builder had already moved into his house and was living there. The wise builder had only just finished. But when you look at the two houses, they look exactly the same. All, all the ground had been reinstated, a few tulips growing here and I don't know what. And, and you look at them, it's just like going down a road in Chelmsford. Sometimes you get houses and they look very much the same. These two did as well. But then the weather report changes. And the weatherman says that there's going to be a sustained period of rain. It's going to be very different from how it was. Prepare for rain. Uh, but in both houses, the roof held good. They were dry. The kitchen stayed dry. The bedding didn't get wet. Uh, the, the settee was still okay to sit on. And so the foolish builder and the wise builder said, that's okay. We're doing okay. What the foolish builder didn't understand was that moisture was entering into the sandy foundation. Sand is like that. Sand is like tiny, minuscule rocks. It, it's, it's not shaped nicely. It doesn't bond or combine together. And, uh, and there's air in between all these tiny grains of sand. But when moisture enters in, water can displace the air. So you've got wet sand. However, thank goodness, the rain stopped and they had a period of dry weather. Uh-oh. Number three, a period of flooding. Mount Hermon snows had all melted. There'd been huge rain on Mount Hermon. It flowed down and the Jordan River had overflowed its banks just where the two houses were. I, I, I apologise if you think this is Sunday school. But it is the story. This is the story Jesus told. And, and the flooding comes up and the sandbags come out and both the wise builder and the foolish builder manage to keep their house dry. And they still got their kitchens okay, their settees okay, the bedding didn't get wet. And they come through, eventually the floods subside. But what the foolish builder didn't realise is that the sand underneath his house is not only now wet, it is saturated. Saturated sand can keep its form. Until, apparently, I, I read this on Google, um, <laughs> until there's vibration. And when you vibrate saturated sand, you get quicksand or running sand. Now listen to what Jesus said. A hurricane is coming. This is part four of the weather report. Hurricane Harry is racing along the Atlantic, uh, no, sorry, the Mediterranean, and he's going to hit next week and we'll have what, winds of 100 miles an hour or whatever it might be. And then Jesus even specifies the wind beat against the house. It vibrated it. And the walls fell down. And of course the roof 
of the first floor of her story, that fell down as well. The whole thing, and great, it says, great, it fell down with a great crash. You probably think this is a, um, a bit doleful, because if the house is your Christian life and my Christian life, and if I am uncomfortably more like the foolish builder than the wise builder, then, then, um, well, the good news is we're still in stage two and three of the weather report. The big shaking hasn't yet come. There will be a shaking, and we assured that in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 11 or chapter 12. Uh, but we are at the moment in the stage where you can see cracks in the wall. We lived in a house for 38 years in Woodford in East London. And after we'd lived there about 15 years, I noticed something. The wallpaper that I'd patiently put up was beginning to tear. And I thought, what's the matter with this wallpaper? I, I'm not very technical on the building side, but... I could see a tear, and then I noticed, oh my goodness, underneath the tear is a crack in the plaster. Well, you won't be too surprised, we got onto the building society, uh, we got the building's insurance out, and they decided in their wisdom, it's all right. It's been through two world wars, it was a, an antique house. Uh, it's not gonna fall down. So they sent in some builders, and they raked out the cracks, um, they put their resin in, then they cemented it up, and then they plastered, and I even had a, a, a spare roll of the wallpaper. And they took that and wallpapered it up, and Bob's your uncle, we were okay for about five years. Five years later, I noticed the dodgy wallpaper again. Oh no, crack through the plaster. This time, I had an idea. I walked down the sideway. I walked down the sideway on the other side of the wall and to my horror, I could see the crack. It's gone right through the nine-inch brick wall. It wasn't a cavity wall, it was an old house. And it was really serious. I needed to do something about it. I had got evidence of subsidence. Now, when we went through those uh, dozen or so points of the Sermon on the Mount, did you notice any areas where you got subsidence? Well, I did, even if you didn't. The crack's there. I've got to call in my building's insurance, except for these sort of cracks. You haven't got building insurance. It's DIY, and it's called underpinning. And I want to say to you, that although Jesus doesn't mention the term underpinning in our story, it's clearly there. He's clearly saying, if you hear my words and don't do anything about them, unless you want to wait for the time that the house suddenly falls down with a great crash, if you want to wait for that, that's really up to you. But if you see the signs and you want to do something about it, then drill down, put in your mini piles, connect the floor of the house and the walls of the house with the bedrock underneath. Now, you may have done that on several occasions. You, you probably know about the Sermon on the Mount and you know that you have a problem with anger 
or with swearing, or with watching pornography, or whatever it might be. You know that you need to amend your prayer life. You know that your tithes and, and, and uh, offerings uh, need examination. You know that. And you say, well, I've tried it so many times before, but I just ran out of money and I had to spend the tithe. Or I've tried it before, but I keep getting angry. It just comes over me. Uh, or I've been, I've, I've, I've tried with my best with that pornographic uh, website that I keep um, looking at online. And I can't, I've given up. Don't give up. The bedrock is there. You may be having to drill down really deep on some of these issues. But the connection between the bedrock and you in your heart of hearts has got to be reinstated. And if you do, have a look at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, it says you will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after. If you mourn the state of your spirit and your heart, and you say, God, I'm not what I should be. The Bible says you are spiritually blessed. At the very least, if you're still doing your underpinning, when God calls your number and you arrive at the gates of heaven, you will at least hear a booming voice saying, come on down, welcome, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And you say, but I'm not a good or a faithful servant. And Jesus calls you over and says, don't argue with me. <laughs> he wants you and me to be tender-hearted and to make sure there's a connection between what you hear of the words of Jesus and what you do about the words of Jesus. And so the big question for me, and I tell you, you think I'm pointing one finger at you, you point one finger at someone, you point three back at yourself. I, I suffer from this just as much as you may. I do have evidence of subsidence. I do need to do underpinning. I need to keep at it. I want there to be a connection between my Christian life and the bedrock underneath. And if the layer that I put in isn't too brilliant, I'm going to put my piles down and make sure the connection is there. I shall not be greatly moved. Will you? I mean, that's a question, isn't it? Am, am I, I know those areas. I, I've said to Jesus, I'm sorry, look, that's just the way I am. I can't do anything about it. And I've given up. So when I hear a sermon on this, it comes in one ear and goes out the other. And I say, well, lovely, oh, yes, it was so good. I was deeply moved, but I'm not going to do anything about it. That is not on the recipe. That is not for the Christian. That is... Is so the person who will be saved by the skin of their teeth, but the house will fall. And and uh, so right now, uh, I'm going to I'm going to pray. We're going to have the band up. We're going to finish by worshiping God again. But we need to pray. We bring to bring this. Do you agree to Jesus? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we looked at what your Son Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. We saw, and if they weren't in that list, there's plenty more in the 18 points of the sermon, that there are signs of subsidence. There are cracks in the wall. 
And we can't call in the professionals. Lord, it's just between you and me. And oh God, I want to connect with you. I know some of the areas, it's quite easy to connect with you. But there are other areas of my life, Lord, where I've tried and tried and I don't seem to connect. Oh God, give me grace to keep on with the mini-piling. To keep on with this. Because God, I want to hear that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.